Welcome to Behind the Line, where we pull back the curtain on the challenges facing first responders and frontline workers. The work you do is unique, and so are the stresses that go with it. Join me as we tackle key issues to reduce risks for burnout, and as we work to support you in doing the job you love without sacrificing being the kind of person you want to be. Hey there, and welcome back to Behind the Line. I'm your host, Lindsay Foss. If you're new to Behind the Line, what you should know about me is that I'm a clinical counselor specializing in trauma therapy. And after over a decade working with first responders and frontline workers around issues like burnout, compassion fatigue, PTSD, and related OSIs, I've become a passionate wellness advocate and educator for those who sacrifice so much for our communities out on the front lines. Behind the Line is a place for us to talk about the real-life behind-the-scenes challenges facing you on the front lines. I created this podcast with the hope of bringing easy access to skills for wellness, allowing you to find greater sustainability both on the job and off. Today, we are gearing up for a new series all about therapy. Exciting, right? Okay, don't turn me off. Try to hear me out. I know that therapy can be a mixed bag. I know that there's still way more stigma around seeking help than there should be, despite the fact that Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard think therapy is great and everyone should be doing it. I know that some have had less than awesome experiences, or that it can be hard to find a therapist or to find the right therapist. I get that there can be practical obstacles like time and money or long wait lists. There are a ton of barriers, and I want to help pull these down a bit. For those who don't know this about me yet, I am a Broadway musical geek, and my latest obsession is Hamilton. Random fact, I know. If you haven't watched it or heard it, there's a song called The Room Where It Happens, and it's all about the secrets and political decisions that happen behind closed doors, and the secondary character of the play desperately wanting to be in the room where it happens, making the decisions and being a powerful player. When I started planning this episode, that song kept popping into my head because the therapy room is a room where so much happens. I often think of my little office and think if these walls could talk because the stories shared, the meaning made, the healing that's happened in that little room is staggering to me. It's this private little space, so unassuming really, but powerful things happen inside that change the trajectory of people's lives. And I hope to share that with you, a view from inside the room where it happens in hopes that you might feel invited into a similar space of your own if you need it. When I first started my private practice over a decade ago, my husband told me that along with my newly built website, I really needed to write a blog. In his great wisdom, he said that you're nobody if you don't blog. Thanks, honey. So I blogged, and the first blog post I ever wrote was about what therapy is all about, where to find a counselor, what to look for in a counselor, how to interview potential counselors to find the right one for you, and what to expect from a counseling session. It amazes me that all these years later, these posts, which we broke into a series of blog posts, continue to be some of the most viewed of any of the articles our team has ever written. They don't stop being relevant because navigating seeking support is nebulous and challenging. 
It shouldn't be. It shouldn't have to be, but it is. And we're going to try to make it a little bit easier. First, let's talk about what a therapist is. While this might sound like a simple definition, it's actually really not. Now, this will vary depending on where you live, so look into your provincial, state, or other specific regulatory pieces. Here in British Columbia and in many provinces throughout Canada, counseling and therapy are not regulated professions. What that means is that literally anyone can go out and call themselves a counselor or a therapist without having any specific training, experience, or demonstrable competency whatsoever. This has actually been a significant point of concern for those of us within the profession and one that I've been active in supporting legislation around for a number of years. In other professions like nursing or medicine or even massage therapy, someone cannot call themselves a nurse or a doctor or an RMT unless they're registered with the appropriate professional college. The system ensures some amount of protections for the general public that when they're seeing someone with a specific designation, they know that they've met some amount of minimum competency criteria to operate under that designation. Unfortunately, in counseling, no such publicly held system exists to protect those seeking support at times when they're most vulnerable. I find this really difficult because when we're struggling with our wellness and our mental health feels shaky, we're not in a great position to research and vet and ensure that the person we're going to go see is competent to support us. We are struggling, sometimes desperate, and often unable to take the steps to assess those who portray themselves to be qualified professionals. I'll side note here that if you find it offensive that there's no regulatory system to ensure public safety in protecting vulnerable persons accessing mental health support, check out our show notes for this episode, where I will post a link to organizations working in various provinces across Canada to lobby provincial governments to do better. You can learn more and join our efforts to ensure that minimum standards are set and a process for identifying and formally investigating practitioners who are underqualified or doing harm is put in place. Now, if you live in one of the provinces or states where counseling is regulated, you have it a bit easier. At minimum, you can know that those advertising themselves as a counselor or therapist meets minimum educational criteria, and that there's a process in place if you were to ever have a bad experience that you could lodge a complaint and so on. If you live in BC or an unregulated area, your efforts in finding a qualified counselor will be a bit more difficult. To work around the lack of publicly instituted regulations, counselors have created their own governing bodies with minimum entrance criteria. In BC, we have the BC Association of Clinical Counselors, which requires all members to hold a minimum of a master's degree in counseling-related programs, such as counseling, psychology, or social work. Those who are registered with this body, myself included, are registered clinical counselors and tend to be covered by extended medical providers more than those who are not registered as a result of meeting some specific requirements for formal education and experience. That leads us into another fun trip up point for many who are seeking counseling. Many extended medical providers only cover psychologists or social workers. 
Why? Well, for the exact reason we've just been discussing. Extended medical providers don't want to provide coverage for some rando who hangs a shingle and says they're a therapist. And they don't have the power to force regulation of counseling, so they cover their own butts by only providing coverage for professionals who are regulated by the College of Psychologists or the College of Social Workers. The challenge is there are fewer of these that work in settings where service is accessible. Many psychologists work in research or teach or spend their clinical hours doing assessments and diagnosis, but fairly minimal treatment. Social workers often work in settings like hospitals or community settings or aren't as interested in the long-term one-to-one counseling dynamic. Certainly they exist, psychologists and social workers who provide counseling as a therapeutic support, but it's harder to find someone in spaces usually limited. Are you seeing how the barriers stack up? For many I work with, they have no idea about the issues around regulation. They just know it's been hella hard to get in to see someone and feel like they get the runaround in accessing support that's covered. When we know the context and have more of the information, we can have a better understanding of why accessing support can be complicated and maybe get differently creative in how we work to circumnavigate these obstacles. The reason I start by acknowledging the limitations of how our system is set up is because I think it's important for you to know that the difficulty you may have experienced in finding a therapist, if you've been on the hunt before, is not you. It's a higher level system issue that has direct impact and implications for those seeking support in their times of greatest need. It's a bit like if we didn't regulate nurses and you went into the hospital with a broken leg and had to find out as you went while in pain and suffering, not knowing yourself exactly what you need, whether those treating you were qualified to do their jobs or not. It's certainly not ideal. Meanwhile, within the counseling profession, there are many, many of us who have worked diligently to do all we can to be competent, qualified, meaningful helpers to those we serve. We've completed multiple degrees, engaged in further advanced specialized trainings, invest in continuing education every single year, seek support from other clinicians to ensure we're engaged in best practices, and follow the latest research closely to stay with growing and changing scientific discovery in the field. When we talk about what therapy is about, this is what it should be about. It's about finding safety with a professional who works to serve your best interests by ensuring their own competency and credibility in whatever area of practice you're needing support in. It's really important that we identify the shortcomings of our system so that we can seek out explicitly the kind of support that's most likely to result in beneficial outcomes. It lets us go in with our eyes wide open and not feel as tripped up when we see some of the challenges for exactly what they are. Okay, now that I'm through my rant on government shortcomings, let's talk about what therapy is for, when you should seek it out, and why you should seek it out. Therapy, when done right, is intended to be a safe space to talk through and make sense of the various challenges you're facing, alongside someone who's trained to walk you through that process in ways that are grounded in what we know to be effective from research. Much like many other medical professions, therapy is about listening to concerns, assessing needs, and triaging interventions to support recovery and healing. 
Now that's a broad example and can apply to all kinds of different concerns, whether it's trauma and PTSD related issues or relationship concerns or mood related challenges or addictions issues or general stress and difficulty coping. Counseling works to give you a space to step back from the busy chaos of life, grow some clarity, and work to develop tools to meet needs and make change. I know that many find therapy to be an intimidating prospect. I can't tell you the number of times I've had clients sent to my office through WorkSafe or something like that who come in either terrified or totally defensive. I get it. We've been trained by media to think about counseling as someone prying into our minds while jotting notes and not making eye contact, wanting to accuse our moms of doing a terrible job raising us, all while laying on an uncomfortable looking couch. If that's been your exposure, I don't blame you for not making therapy a priority when times get tough. I wouldn't want to go either. It's too bad that media has done such a disservice to accurately portraying therapy and the efforts of therapists to genuinely serve their clients. The reality is that many of us painstakingly craft our offices all the way down to the fluffiness of the pillows and the placement of the clocks to try to offer the best and most comfortable experience possible to those who enter. Through COVID, we've worked hard to adapt secure methods for virtual services to be able to continue meeting our commitment to support even from a distance. We do this so that when you walk in the door or enter a virtual counseling space, you feel safe. Safe to unload the many things that are weighing you down, safe to share, to feel, to learn, and to grow. I also know that many people think that sharing in therapy means divulging every minute, painful detail of our lives, reliving our traumatic experiences, feeling all the feels of every hardship ever experienced. That's not therapy. While therapy may involve some amount of some of these things, therapy is not therapeutic or effective if we spend every minute drowning in all the hard stuff. Therapy is a balancing act of acknowledging the hard, finding space for clarity, feeling what we need to feel to support us in making choices about what we need, and navigating change. A therapist's role is to help us hold that balancing act, to not let us drown in the hardness of it all, to hold the tension of all that is hard with all that is good, all that's been lost with all that's been gained, all that's been hopeless with all that is hopeful. Different therapists have different ways of doing this, holding these multiple tensions alongside us. We'll talk more about that next time and what to look for in finding a counselor who's the right fit for what you're needing. But for now, let's talk about how to know when counseling is right for you. My own humble opinion is that there is never a bad time. You may have times when your needs are not as acute or high, These tend to be times when we're less inclined to seek therapy because we're doing okay. But it also tends to be the time where we could be doing some really meaningful work from a place of greater capacity and internal strength to be preventative and proactive in supporting our wellness going forward. For example, if I have a history of depression, but right now I'm not feeling depressed, it might seem like I should wait to seek counseling for when I'm struggling. But what if I spent this time while I'm in my well place working to develop a plan for when I'm not doing so well? 
What if I use the energy, motivation, and capacity I have in my well time to invest in developing some resources and supports, some interests in self-care, some strategies and tools for managing my depression long-term? Wouldn't that be better than waiting for when my mood drops again and then desperately seeking out someone to help me pull out of it? There isn't a wrong time to seek counseling, but all too often our tendency is to wait until we're in the deepest, darkest hole possible. The hard thing about waiting for that place is that it's so much harder to get out. It takes longer and it can feel slow. On top of it, given some of the practical limitations we've already identified in getting into seeing someone and accessing support, the process of recovering can be even more delayed and prolonged. My suggestion would be to use the Beating the Breaking Point Indicators Checklist and Triage Guide to help guide you. If you're showing moderate to severe ratings on the checklist, you would benefit from seeking professional support now. If you're in the mild to moderate range of the ratings, you would benefit from engaging in some proactive and preventative measures to support your sustainability to help keep you from going down when hit by more stressors, or as the seasons change and it gets gloomy outside, or other factors hit. If you're in that mild to moderate range and not sure that therapy is the right fit right now, I would also encourage you to consider jumping in on our next round of the self-care dare, which is an intensive five-day challenge designed specifically for first responders and frontline workers to hone their self-care and grow their toolkit for wellness and sustainability. We'll be launching the next dare in October on the 19th. So keep an eye out for that or sign up for our email newsletters to be the first to access registration. Okay, we've talked about the what and the when, now let's talk about the why. Why should you seek out counseling? Well, if you have any history of mental illness, having a counselor who you check in with can be really helpful as a resource to support stability over the long haul. But counseling is not just for people with formally diagnosed mental health concerns. It truly is for everyone. It's just a space, a space away from our regular lives where we can be invited to step back and gain some perspective. This can be helpful for all kinds of choices, challenges, and navigating the twists and turns that life offers us. We meet with people struggling to make career choices as well as with those struggling to make sense of the purpose of life. We navigate loss and grief, We find tools to carry on in the face of hardship. We connect through loneliness. We cultivate skills for connection with others. Therapy is about you. It's about your needs and working to meet them. When else is that the focus? When else does everything stop to prioritize you, your needs, your hopes, your wishes? That is what therapy is about. It's about you. I hope that you found this episode helpful in getting a bit of context around some of the challenges in navigating seeking therapy, as well as clarity around what therapy is for and if it's a fit for you. Next week, we're going to talk about what to look for in a therapist and where to find this. And then we're hoping to have a couple of episodes talking with others who have done therapy about when it goes well, as well as when it doesn't, and the key learnings you can take and use as you walk your own path forward. As always, please reach out and connect if you have any questions or feedback. I love hearing from you and shaping this podcast to echo your needs and interests. 
You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Lindsay A. Foss, or you can email me at support at thrive-life.ca. Do check out our show notes for this series and share with those you know. Until next time, stay safe.